Welcome to Practicing the Pillars podcast, where every airman is a leader. When you lead yourself first, other people will line up to follow. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land, this is Graham Bailey, Chaplain Bailey, with uh, Miss Morgan Hildebrand, the director coordinator, program manager of Task Force True North, and this is Practicing the Pillars podcast, an opportunity to create community um, conversation and connection points about resilience and holistic living in the White Men Air Force Base community. We are so glad that you have joined us today. Hello, Graham. Hey, Morgan. (laughs) How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Super. So the podcast is an opportunity for folks to come on and talk about stories that they have uh, lived, uh, difficulties that they have overcome, lessons that they have learned, uh, and uh, share the the light and the life that they have with other folks. You're well aware of that because you're my fine cohort uh, co-host on this program, (laughs) and. it's important, though, that that we as people who try to help our community and put ourselves out there as leaders of helping agencies um, be willing to be vulnerable ourselves and be honest with the community about our stories and the things that we've overcome. That's true. And I know that you have an incredible story uh, that, has, that has really impacted you a lot. And uh, I think the folks out in podcast land are really excited. I'm excited uh, to hear you share your story today. Ugh, my palms are sweaty. Are they? Yeah. Oh, it makes me nervous to talk about it. It's hard to be vulnerable. Um, but one of the things <laughs> that happens as a result of it is that um, we end up taking control of our story when we tell it. And we end up being the ones who get to master our narrative. So thank you for being here. Thanks for being willing to share. Thank you. So I guess I'll just jump right into it. Um, So when I was, oh gosh, a a young lady, a teenager, still in high school, uh, a lot, a lot was going on in my life, Um, all sorts of wild things that were leading me down paths that I didn't necessarily want to go down. Um, I found myself living on my own and uh, leaving high school before the designed end date. Before the design, (laughs) as in graduation. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that that wasn't (laughs) going to be part of my story. I wasn't going to graduate with my class. Um. I, I ultimately got my GED um, a few weeks after I, I dropped out. But prior to that happening, I had an experience that lasted a few months. And long story short, there was a gentleman who was kind of an authority figure uh, in my life at that time um, in the community. And I still struggle with the right word to use for what happened. Um, I think in my heart, I know what the right word was for what happened between us. 
Um, but I, I mean, even this, this far removed from it, you know, 20 years later, almost, I can't say it. So, um, suffice to say he completely dominated me Mm. and took advantage of me sexually Mm. and, Throughout that process, um, also was very clear about how I would talk about it. Um, you know, told me what I would say, told me how I would paint that situation to other people um, if I were asked or if other situations came out of it. Um, and so I lied. I, I, I lied through it um, about what was happening and what was transpiring between the two of us and... Um, it allowed him to continue to do what he was doing. And when when I left that situation, uh, and for many, many years, probably 15 years or so, mm-hmm. I allowed that to paint a picture of who I was for myself. It dominated me. So, and this is a, this is a really challenging story and I just want to say thank you for sharing it um, um just a couple of quick questions um you mentioned this was a this was a, a, a male who was a, an authority person in your life mm-hmm. um was it a member of your family no it was not a member of your no it was not a member of my family okay um and, and I'm only saying that just because I, some people will might think that and right we don't want that to be something because I've met your family and they're amazing people. They are amazing people. Yeah. Um, so you were raped um, by by a man in who was an authority figure over you. And for 15 years, um, the lies that he told you to tell about what was going on became lies that dominated your your view of yourself is that right because i at a certain point i accepted them as truth hmm. um it, i was certainly too young to willingly participate or or make a decision on my own to participate um and so the way he he phrased it and the way he coached me to talk about it, um, it destroyed some of my relationships with my family because I would either disconnect from them completely or if it came up, I would lie and I would paint it differently. And so so that happened. Um, as I grew and uh, went on with my life and did other things, it it kept me in this, I'm, I'm going to run from myself. Because there were lies that you had believed about yourself. That I didn't like. That you didn't like. Right. I didn't like the person that I believed that I was because I was the person that he had told me I was. And, and none of that was true. I, I wasn't weak and I wasn't feeble-minded and I wasn't um, stupid. And I, I did have control over my body and I did have control over the people I kept in my life. But... I didn't accept those things as truths. I accepted what he painted for me, which is that I needed certain things to happen and that they were happening because I wanted them to. Mm. 
um, and I was happening because they were supposed to and that that was normal and that um, what I told other people is what it was, even if it wasn't. I, I could lie to them. I could lie about myself. I could lie to myself and make that the truth. And, and it definitely wasn't. And as a result, I went through a, a period of my life where I entered into other relationships that were extremely negative, um, and a very abusive relationship for a long period of time. And, you know, I... I took a lot of responsibility for that. You know, it's my fault that he put his hands on me. It's my fault that I got hit. It's I did this or I instigated this uh, discussion and, and that got him angry. And, so, and none of those things were true. So you had this you had this experience when you were young. Mm-hmm. And then over the next 15 years, there were other bad relationships, abusive relationships. Mm-hmm. And you blamed yourself for creating the situation that caused someone to abuse you, someone else to abuse you. Right. Wow. Um, and it wasn't until, we'll say five or six years ago, I, I don't remember the exact moment or the exact date, but I, I remember the event that took place. Um, I had developed a friendship with a really amazing woman and we had gone out one evening and we were going to a social event. Some of the people I knew, some of the people she knew, um, kind of a mixed bag. And then a handful of people that, you know, we had never met. So fine. And uh, she knew enough about me that I was pretty closed off. Um, but we had developed a friendship. And I think she also knew enough about me that she recognized my body language or when I was uncomfortable um, or when I was trying to like avoid something. And so throughout the evening, um, there's some drinking going on. That particular evening, I was not drinking. I was driving. And uh, that was important because when I looked back, I thought, I really, I had no fault in this situation. There's not even something that I can point to to say like, well, maybe because I was drunk or maybe because of this. Not that those are real reasons, but it helped it click in my mind what had happened. Um, so uh, at this particular location, I I stepped away to go to the restroom, and, and down the hallway where the restroom was, there was a kind of spare room, you know, office, guest bedroom, whatever. And when I came out of the bathroom, there was a, a gentleman who I, I would say he certainly held a position that should have been more respectful or should not have led him to kind of create an opportunity where we would be together. You know, okay. he, yeah. that wasn't the relationship between the two of us. Um, so fine. So he was standing outside the bathroom door and he put his hand against the wall and, you know, kind of blocked me from exiting the bathroom. And, uh, w- you know, what are you doing? I said, well, I was going to the bathroom. What are you doing? <laughs> right. I think it's obvious. And, uh, he said, well, I was wondering where you were. And so I slid past him. I got past him, and I, I went to sit down with my friend. I said, look, so bizarre, and kind of made a joke out of the situation, like, oh, you know, that was uncomfortable. <laughs> well, so she picks up on that, and uh, she starts kind of paying more attention throughout the evening. And uh, some time had passed, no significant events. 
but I go to the bathroom again. It's been a few hours. And as I'm leaving the bathroom, um, he is again standing in the hallway um, with his hand against the wall again, but kind of blocking my path uh, more so than he had before. And so as I stepped backwards to step away from him, he was very close to the door, um, almost in the doorway when I opened it. He stepped into the bathroom. So I stepped to uh, kind of go around him and go out of the bathroom, and he moved with me, uh, stepped in front of me, and took a step towards me. And as he did that, I backed into the bedroom. Uh, and he shut the door, and I froze. Hmm. I mean, I think of myself as a pretty strong, yeah. assertive, yeah. Uh, outspoken type of person, and I can... 100% say that in that moment I, I froze. I said nothing. I did nothing. I just stood there. And he walked over to the bed and he sat down on the edge of the bed and he started to take his shirt off. And as he did that, he said to me, you're going to like this. This will be good for you. And I wow. can, yeah, um, I continued to stand there and I said nothing and I did nothing. And, uh, it like that, 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 uh, fight, flight or freeze instinct. And mm -hmm. you were in, and that's common in traumatic experiences and you were, you were in freeze mode. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and it felt like eternity, but it couldn't have been, you know, 10 seconds, yeah. but it just felt like forever. And, uh, the door busted open. And here comes my girlfriend. She looks at him and she goes, nope. <laughs> and nope. <laughs> yeah, just wonderful. Um, nope. And, and grabs my hand and, and we walk out of the room. And. Did you leave then at the house or the party, wherever you were? So it was, it was kind of a shocker the second it happened. And we walked back out and we stood in the, in the room and we had. We were there with a few other friends because I, I was driving, right? So, yeah. it, you know, it wasn't just her. And she said, are you okay? I said, well, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And she left alone for a minute and we sat down and a little bit of time passed and she goes, all right, it's time to wrap it up. Let's get out of here. And so the next day um, we had a small conversation about it and it was, are you okay? I'm fine. She goes, I, I realize that you're fine, but you know, that was uncomfortable. Like what, what was he doing? Like, wh who does he think he is? Like, do you, you know, you should say something. Said, no, you know, it's over. It's done with. It doesn't ever need to come up again. But that moment, although you can't go back and, and change how I reacted, or what I did or didn't do was a game changer in my life because the, the moment that she asked you if you were okay or the moment the night before the moment when she walked in the moment when she walked in and said nope yeah because it clicked and I'd like to think that it clicked in that moment and I think that it did but it, it took a minute to sink in because it all happened so fast and it was all such a surprise what clicked? 
that at some point in time, intentionally or unintentionally, um, someone had taken a moment to recognize who I am and saw cues that I was giving from my behavior through our, our grown friendship and in that moment and said, like, I'm not going to let that happen. I see what's going down here. No way. And, and she stepped in. And if she could step in on my life, why couldn't I step in on my own life? Wow. And so um, that started an immediate process change in my life. Um, what am I going to do to make sure that I'm taking care of myself as much as somebody else would take care of me? And if I take care of myself, then no one else will ever be able to put me in that situation again. Or if they do, instead of reaching back into that muscle memory of just standing there and letting it happen, I'll reach into her muscle memory and I'll cut it off. And it took that moment. So so how, do, how does that moment relate to what you said earlier about uh, the lies that you had believed about yourself and the things that you had been telling yourself about yourself? How, how, did, how did that, what's the connection between those two things and, and, and how were the lies impacting the things that you were believing about yourself impacting that moment? And, and how did that, how, was there a transaction in that moment between yourself and, and, and that narrative that you had created uh, about who you were or how did that play out? Right. Well, I mean, it would be nice to say that immediately the next day I was honest with myself and, and life was easier and I was a more empowered woman. That's not true. Um, I still struggle with it today, but what I knew was that she had recognized something about me that I hadn't recognized about myself. Which was what? That I was definitely worth more. Yeah. That nobody else had ownership over me. And if I was uncomfortable, then that meant there was something wrong with the situation and that it didn't have to happen. Mm. So right away, I had to start a very, very difficult process of being very honest with myself about who I actually am, what that actually means, and how I want that to grow. And so... So you have to start undoing right. a lot of a lot of sort of neural memory, right? Mm -hmm. Neuro neurotic, for lack of a better word, but the, the muscle memory of your neurons, like remapping the way that you think. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it's a process. Did it, you do that by yourself or did you talk with somebody? Did you go and, and... So I didn't go get formal counseling, I guess, um, right? I didn't go to a healthcare provider. Um, what I did do was I started reaching out to my friends. Hmm. Uh, you know, a friend had been this active bystander this person who recognized more about me than I recognized about myself. So who better to resource than the group of people that clearly recognized more than I did. And I started talking to them and I would hear their stories. And, and so that started a, a pattern of sitting down with my close girlfriends and having them tell me things about themselves that maybe before I hadn't been open to hearing. I didn't, I didn't understand that empathy. 
So when when you when you say that you sat down with a group of girlfriends and you heard their stories, um, it sounded to me like you had like this um, victim support group. Like they had similar <laughs> stories of 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 people taking advantage of them or or sometimes yeah and, and you know it wasn't like we all got together on a Saturday afternoon and right. had a big cry right um it was over time you know uh hey do you want to go to lunch me and a girlfriend would go to lunch and we would talk and maybe she would share something that happened to her um a loss of some sort or a situation where they had been in an abusive relationship yeah. or had gone through a significant change in their marriage or a relationship or were struggling um, with a child or the loss of a child or something like that. But whatever it was, um, they were incredibly strong women and they were so open to sharing with me. And although we had been friends for a long time, I had never heard this hmm. from people that I cared about or at least that, I thought I cared about. And so then they would ask me questions and I s slowly would say one or two things. And they would ask me more. And what was that like opening up and being honest with them? Oh my gosh. It was incredibly hard. Um, <laughs> it's not easy, is it? But you and I've talked about this. That yeah. It was the, the more I was vulnerable, the more I experienced their empathy and understanding. And, the more I received it, the more I knew I needed it. Mm. And getting that uh, helped me train, retrain my mind to the actual truth about who I am and what I've been through. So, so I don't know if you can sum it up, right, um, in just a couple of sentences, but what, what would you say, like, in one sentence was the thing that you believed before and then what is the thing that you believe now about, who, like, who did you think you were and who do you now know that you actually are? In two, in, in two sentences, <laughs> right? Just sum it all up. <laughs> I believed that I was worthless. Mm. I wasn't smart. I wasn't pretty. I was there if someone wanted to use me. For whatever, right? It didn't. It didn't always have to. It doesn't necessarily mean uh, sexually. And uh, the truth through building those relationships and and gaining that experience with my friends and my family. I have a wonderful uh, stepmom and, and and a wonderful dad, and so rebuilding those relationships as well. Your dad has amazing stories, by the way. My dad's so cool. <laughs> yeah. I love my dad. Um, I love my mom. They're, they're both amazing people. Um, but rebuilding those relationships, the, the truth that I do know about myself now, that I am smart and I am capable and I'm worth a ton. Um, yeah. And I have control over how people access me. I have all the control over how someone accesses me. No one gets to get the best of me without me being part of that decision. Hmm. I control that. And so, um, you know, I got that from, from building my relationships with my friends and from talking to them and from learning from them and, and hearing things that they had been through and how strong they were 
and strong not because they they got through it and it happened and whatever, but strong because they understood it, they processed it. When it hurt, when it was hard, they acknowledged it, and then they shared it because they knew they weren't the only one. And so they surrounded themselves with strong people, and so now they were going to be strong people for others. So you didn't you didn't go to any counselor, and I, I know people that have been through um, traumatic experiences like you have been, and they'll go to a counselor and they'll uh, they'll do you know um, they'll, they'll do the counseling and get some learn some coping skills and do some different things, um, and 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 they'll get some tools from a counselor that will really help them um, when they begin to struggle with some of those old feelings creeping in or, or, uh, or that old memory of, of, uh, who they thought they were, those sorts of things. Um, you didn't get that. So what, or, or you did, but through uh, maybe non-traditional means, but, um, what do you do, uh, now to keep yourself from, uh, going back into thinking about yourself as this person that, is easily accessible and uh, deserves to be used? Um, so I, I do a few things. Um, I try to meditate or practice some mindfulness, um, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. To, you know, depending on who you are, maybe call it something different. I call it something different. What do you call it? I call it prayer. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> You're the chaplain. <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> um, no, I, I, try to, I try to take some time every day. Um, and so... Typically, around lunchtime, um, go home, check my dog, grab something to eat, and then I, I sit down because my child's at school, so that's good. And I sit quietly. And some of the things that I go through are, you know, uh, I kind of take a, a mental tally or a mental evaluation of the people I surround myself with. And I remind myself that being vulnerable and trusting them is positive that I have to do that regardless of who they are and if they turn out to be a negative person I can remove that from my life but if they turn out to be a a negative person and I have allowed them in my life that's not my fault that's yeah. on them for being deceptive. That's not somebody on me lied for to you it's so easy when you've been lied to or taken advantage of mm-hmm. to be to, to go to into this mode where you say, well, it's my fault for trusting that person. Right. Because I learned, I learned before that people aren't trustworthy. And if I would just not trust them, then I wouldn't have to go through this. And, right. and then somehow somebody else's lies, somebody else's abuse, somebody else's, um, uh, uh, taking advantage mm-hmm. of you becomes your fault because you allowed them to do that. And, and then what you end up with is uh, the only way to avoid being hurt is to not ever risk a real relationship. Right. Because a real relationship involves trust and, and back and forth and openness. And, mm-hmm. and so you've gotten to a point where you're able to trust people mm-hmm. and blame them for being liars when they turn, if they turn out to be liars. Right. Yeah. Which I, seems like, <laughs> it seems like so obvious, right? But it's actually Duh, really, no, but it's, it's not so easy it's when, not. when you have been, um, 
when you have been hurt and 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 lied to. It's really not right. It's an active practice I have to do every day. My, practice my, trusting people. My instinct is to distance myself, to not accept someone, to close myself off um, emotionally from people, or to put up a wall and present something I think they want. You know, who who do you expect to see in this situation? Is it at work and you want to see me this way? Is it in my personal life and you want to see me this way? Um, that's my instinct. I have to practice every day going, no, that's not who I am. I am open and chatty and I like my friends and I enjoy being social and I want people around me and I want to have new experiences and, and live my life and be happy and, and cheerful. So I have to trust everyone for what they bring to the table. If they're deceptive, that's on them. That's not my responsibility to carry for them. And as a result, everyone gets who I am. And I can start to believe that. And from day to day, that reinforces my belief in who I am. Um, that I'm really strong and I'm really capable. And I'm strong because I have strong, incredible people around me that I trust. And because I trust myself. Yeah, so how does that impact uh, the way that you invest in your relationships with people now? Um, well, I'll share maybe something between our friendship. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we work closely uh, with one another all the time, and we have a really solid friendship, and, and sometimes those lines can get blurry. Like you, you can assume something in your professional relationship because, well, we're friends. Duh. Right. And sometimes in your friendship, you can go, oh, this happened professionally, so now we're not on good terms. Don't mistake our friendship with my authority. Yeah, you know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> um, <laughs> but if I'm going to continue to be honest with myself and be true to who I am, I also have to monitor myself and check myself. So... And and we've had this conversation. If I feel like something's not on the up and up and maybe we're miscommunicating or we're not seeing eye to eye and I'm feeling a certain way about it, I have to be as honest in my friendship as I am with myself. So I've come to you and said, this happened. I, I don't know how to receive it. Am I misunderstanding? I don't like this. Also, I think because of the way I felt about it, and us not having clear communication, I perceived it to be this. And as a result, I didn't act the way I wanted to. I didn't behave the way I know I need to that would honor our friendship. So I'm sorry for that. Now let's communicate on what the truth was there and let's get back on the same page. And I am grateful because I have friendships in my life where I'm able to have those open conversations and go, Maybe I was right about the way you meant it. Maybe I perceived it exactly how you delivered it. <laughs> but regardless, uh, I felt a certain kind of way. I behaved poorly because I felt that way. I apologize. I'd like to clear it up. This relationship is far too valuable for me to lose over something petty. And I find that that builds really strong relationships in my life. And, and by the way, I'm not a perfect person, so I'm probably going to do things that upset my friends but they always have an open door to come to me and say, hey, this happened, and then we talk about it, and we grow, and we build on that, and that, too, reinforces that 
I am in control of my behavior and how people perceive me and understand me. And I get to control my own narrative. So therefore, I get to control what the truth is. And if I present myself honestly to me, when I look in the mirror, then I can absolutely do that with other people because I'm my harshest critic. I think everybody is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, like, uh, what I'm hearing you say is like what I've, what I've learned how to do is to own myself. Yeah. Own, 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 own my physical self, own my mental self, own my emotional self, own my spiritual self, own my social self, recognize how those things are all connected Mm -hmm. and do checks when necessary. If, if one of them seems to be a little bit off. Absolutely. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, an ownership of, mm-hmm. of who you are, which is, is, is really incredible. Um, when you think about it, especially going through something really difficult that, that could, that could really rob you of your sense of self as assault I mean, that does, it, it robs mm-hmm. people. It's a, it's a theft of someone. Um, and, and for you to, to say now I'm, I'm taking it back. I'm owning who I am and I'm believing the truth about who I am is it really is. It really is incredible. Um, I've, I've recognized of the people that I interact with on a more than like high five basis uh, at, at, you know, in the community Mm -hmm. um, that you're one of the more empathetic people that I, that I've interacted with uh, that you're able to display empathy um, pretty profoundly. Um, and I wonder, you mentioned that, that people having empathy for you, uh, was a pretty significant, uh, piece in your process of, of coming back to yourself. Um, how about empathy for other people? Does that, does that drain you? Does that wear you down? You know, you have to invest in relationships and you got to mm-hmm. trust people and you got to, you know, you got to own your stuff. Um, what about when people come to you and they're like, uh, Morgan, I totally, <laughs> I got this going. And you know, like they, they, they just go and they just dump. I mean, is that, is that a drain for you? Because I don't perceive it that way. Um, um, and I'm just curious about. So I think all relationships can be exhausting. It, it, even when they're great, when you're happy and you're laughing, it can still take it out of you. Um, and that's fair. People are people. It's not always easy to listen and process and, okay, I'm going to put myself in your shoes. What did you mean? Um, So you have to take breaks. You have to take time for yourself. Um, You know, that, that recovery space is necessary every day. Um, So I try to do that for myself. Um, I go home. I spend a few minutes in my room by myself. Um, before I change clothes and start dinner and get the chores going because I need to recover from all of my experiences and interactions during the day so that I can give all of myself to my child. And then at night when he goes to bed, I take a few minutes for myself so that I can give all of myself to myself. Yeah. Um, So it's just about really being measured and remembering that interacting with people is hard 
<laughs> but it's but it's also necessary. Like, what's that? Uh, boy, if it weren't for all these, or this job would be so easy I, if it weren't for all these people. Church would be great if it wasn't for all the people. Yeah. So you know, but <laughs> yeah. man, it's so important. We're we're social people, and we need each other. And I spent a significant amount of my life trying to run from that fact. Run from people. Run from people. Run from myself, run even. From yourself. Um, but it's not worth it. It's definitely worth it to invest the time and, and be tired because you're interacting with people than be tired because you're running from them. Yeah, so there was this TED Talk that went viral a while ago, um, and it, it was about um, dealing with stress. Um, and <clears throat> the lady that gave the talk, I think her name was Kelly McConaughey, mm-hmm. and she talked about the stress hormone. Um, and how the stress hormone is also the hug hormone. Uh, so the same thing that makes you feel stressed is also the thing that um, that makes you uh, feel like you need a hug or want to give a hug. It's the same hormone, uh, which 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 is like blows my mind because it's this real powerful reminder that uh, there is no way that you can do life in all of its in all of its complexity by yourself. There's no way you can do it, and um, and in as much as we need time to ourself to to recharge, we also need each other. Um, mm-hmm. And the very same the very same people you talk about, you know, investing in relationships wholeheartedly, the very same people that um, stress us out so much, right? Those are the very people um, that uh, that if we gave them a hug (laughs) it would it would actually defuse all of that stress um so uh i i think it's incredible i think it's amazing that you've come to a place where you can kind of own who you are and you can own you can own who you hug totally and and that is such a beautiful thing because to be able to embrace another person, especially after coming through, you know, what you've come through, to be able to embrace another person um, uh, joyfully and sincerely and honestly, taking stock of who you are and what you're giving to that person um, in a, in a friendship or in a relationship or just in a hug is um, it really is a, it really is a powerful thing. And uh, I think the Whiteman Air Force Base community is really lucky to have you. Uh, working in uh, this very important role of caring for people and coordinating and managing the True North program. Uh, is there is there one thing or two things that you want to say to um, the uh, the community as a survivor, two survivors? Um, I am so I'm a survivor. <laughs> I the tiger. Yeah. You are never alone. Never. Not for a second. Uh, We'd say the Air Force is small all the time. It is small, not because it is physically small. It is small because you cannot escape these people. So stop acting like you are alone. You are not alone. (laughs) No, we're not. That's it. We're not alone. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks, Warden. Thank you. Thank you.